I am one half of the Booze and Boobs podcast, and this is my other half. Hi, I'm Katrina. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you love it. Hey guys, welcome back to the Booze and Boobs podcast. I'm Katrina. I'm Rachel. So we are back after a little break because our lives have been a a lot of break. Because we uh, have had some hectic times in our lives because, you know. Yeah. I will take most of the blame on this one because I moved cross-country pretty suddenly. So while Katrina and I were talking about the podcast for a lot of this time, and we had some stuff recorded already, um, I was really tired and lazy. I'm like, I don't want to sit and do all of this, so... Sorry, but we're back, and we're talking about one of my favorite movies, Jennifer's Body. I'm very excited to kind of bring it back home with this guy. Yeah, so hopefully you guys also love Jennifer's Body, because um, if you don't, bye. (laughs) If you don't love Jennifer's Body, honestly, I'm not sure that you would get all of our humor for every other episode that we're going to do. Because this was, like, a penultimate movie for me. It came out, like, right at the right time. I was 17. I will say the first time I watched it, I didn't really get it. And then the second time when I was watching it, I was like, oh. I'm starting, like, it's... It's amazing. I'm like, like, oh, I'm following it now. I get it. So, it's... You gotta watch it at least twice to see everything. This movie and I have a long history um this is actually the first r-rated movie that i saw in theaters that i did not sneak into so i was 17 like i had just barely turned 17 like the week that this movie came out um the summer when i was 16 is when the final destination came out and my friend was 17 so she got us tickets and we sneaked in there and then like two or three days before my birthday my other friend who was 17 sneaked me into sorority row so the summer i was 16 lots of horror movies and then (laughs) this movie came out right after my 17th birthday so i could buy the tickets and i was super excited because i love amanda seyfried i mean who doesn't love megan fox so i was just ready to jump on board and this movie like is inside of me like the demon is inside jennifer Hearing you say, uh, like, you went to all those horror movies when you were 16 and everything just made me realize, like, I don't think I really went to the movies at all growing up. And, yes, we did have movies, like, the movie theaters where I lived. I just don't... I never went. I always just, like, waited for it to come on to cable or Redbox before yeah back when Redbox was like kind of a thing because my family we did the blockbuster one where you could Uh get dvds mailed to you and then you could return them in the store and then you could check movies out we had like a three package plan so we would finish our movies go in get our three dvds and then blockbuster would mail us three more i don't know if Redbox did the same thing and then i know netflix was doing that and then netflix killed blockbuster r.i.p <laughs> yeah i think a combination of Redbox and netflix just tanked blockbuster yeah pour one out for blockbuster 
They had overpriced snacks like the movie theaters anyway, so it was a real experience. Exactly. It, it really was the home theater experience. <laughs> but um, we're, we're going to kind of get started and, and talk about Jennifer's body and what we liked about it. Yeah, when you had talked, had mentioned how you want to talk about, you know, their f- friendship and what it's like, when I was re-watching it a little bit, I was like, this seems kind of like a toxic friendship. Um, I don't have a lot of friends, and I'm a very low-maintenance friend, if anything, so I've never really, like, experienced something to where I was super worried that I was going to make my friend mad because I wore the wrong top, right? But it did remind me of you and your previous friend because I was like, it always felt like a competition or something was just like, you didn't do something right. That's a toxic friendship. Well, it's over now. She's dead. Dead to me. (laughs) Sandbox love never dies, but it does. Except for when I, except for when I killed it over a text message. <laughs> and you got, okay. But, I mean, we can just kind of jump right into the movie. I mean, the yeah. movie starts exactly how it ends, give or take. Uh-huh. So, we just open up to Megan Fox, who plays Jennifer Check, laying in her bed uh the movie came out in 2009 it's a very 2009 room there's a fallout boy poster on the back she's watching like a a a bowflex infomercial on tv like she looks jank and just watching that it looks like it's one of those infomercials that's on at like 2 a.m did you ever watch 2 a.m infomercials um sometimes it was like 50 50 sometimes it was like infomercials at 2 a.m or you wake up to George Lopez's introduction song <laughs> yes. of Lowrider. It, yes. <laughs> it's one or the other. Oh, see, I kind of was very into infomercials. Like, I would look for a couple of them that I liked. And I would just watch them <laughs> like it was a TV show. <laughs> oh, my God. I. Um, what did you watch? What did you like? I... Not the product itself. I loved Billy Mays for a long time just because of he's like, it's Billy Mays. And he was just yelling the entire infomercial. And R.I.P. Billy Mays. He was one of the good ones. He was. Not quite up there with Steve Irwin, but good enough. But my favorite, like, I felt like the Sham Wow was so cringy. Sponsor us. And I loved it because it, it was like... We can absorb anything and wring it out. And I'm just like, cool. <laughs> they just were so okay, over the top. Okay. If ShamWow was your favorite <laughs> infomercial, I can tell you what my favorite infomercial is, but can I tell you a story about ShamWow? Yeah. So, when I was in college, I went to film school, and we, like, every uh, month was a different class. So, we would have one that was, like, lighting sound editing whatever like every month was kind of something different we had I want to say it was in my lighting class maybe like our group project was to create a commercial so we made a commercial for ShamWow and it was me and this boy I mean I was the only girl in the group and we just made an in or a commercial and we were like the stars and we were just (laughs) 
talking to each other and then oops we spilled a cup of something <laughs> and the the guy's name was Tyler and I was like, oh, no, I just spilled my drink. And he's like, don't worry. I have my generic brand paper towels. <laughs> and then we get a knock on the door. And then uh, another guy, Aaron, came in to be, like, the ShamWow guy. And he's like, forget about your generic brand paper towels. Use a ShamWow. And then we oh – it's really, really cringy. I think maybe, like, way, 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 way back in my Facebook. I still have it, but – it was so cringy, just like a ShamWow commercial, but it was really fun. So I'll show you. But if that's your favorite infomercial, it, I, that's I another need thing to, that led us together. I need to see that now. Like, it's... After this is over, I will stalk your Facebook as far back as I need to. Oh, well, you'll have to go back, like, a decade and a half, but it'll be there. I'm pretty sure, like, my grandma shared it. But my favorite <laughs> infomercial is The Magic Bullet. Did you ever watch that one? I don't think I have. Well, what I love about the Magic Bullet infomercial was all of the things that <laughs> that they made in, like, the half-hour show. So for, like, three years, I kept asking my parents for a Magic Bullet because I wanted a personal, versatile countertop magician. <laughs> and then, um, actually, like, the Christmas before I went off to college, my brother got me a Magic Bullet set. Oh, my God. $30 at Costco, and I was just like, this is so good. I still have it, and I use it, so honestly, way I'm... to go, Magic Bullet. You got a loyal customer based off your infomercial. Sponsor us. <laughs> sponsor us. ShamWow, Magic Bullet, please sponsor us. We use your products. We love them anyway. Um, I did have a ShamWow but... in my car for, like, forever. I don't know if I ever used it, though, but well, I had one. They're not going to sponsor us. Well... It was one of those, like, as seen on TV, like, when you go through Walmart. I know you don't shop at Walmart, but I do. Walmart <laughs> Walmart has this, like, shelf by the uh, checkout that's, like, as seen on TV products that you can buy there rather than on TV. So. Well, anyway, little uh, tangent there, but Jennifer is watching a Bowflex commercial, which comes into play later. And then we hear something outside, and then we... Do we see Needy outside? I can't remember. Yeah, you see her for like a split second, but Jennifer doesn't. She's oh, like a right. ghost. You're right. And yeah. Yeah. So, then we cut to a Needy, the, the character of Anita, Needy, played by Amanda Seyfried, is in some kind of prison, hey. rehab, facility kind of institution. Yeah, I kind of got the vibes of, like, a mental hospital. But she's kind of narrating now, saying how she has, like, she gets fan mail and all kinds of things. And she, um, what I thought was really funny was she's like, they have kicker on my chart. Because I'm a kicker. And I was like, <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. Well, yeah, because she's, yeah, because she's talking about, uh, like, in... In not very descriptive terms, but how she is basically the kind of person that shouldn't be there. She's not crazy. Everything that happened is real. But we don't know what that really is yet. So we just see her kind of going through like a day in the life, give or take. And then, yeah, like you were saying, uh, a, a nurse or some kind of a supervisor comes up to talk to her about her 
dietary choices, um, uh-huh. which is like uh, the, what they call them toastums in the show, which is basically like a pop tart. The orderly is like, yeah, those are great, but you can also eat some more healthy things. And then she kicks her right in the chest and she just flies across the room. Like that was a <laughs> powerful kick. Superhuman. Which I think she wanted. So she landed in isolation, which is probably what she wanted anyway. I thought about that when I was watching it. It's like, I would probably do a lot of things to be by uh, myself yeah, in leave, this place like that. Leave me alone, please. Especially if you feel like you don't belong. Because she, throughout the whole movie, I think her sanity was being questioned the entire time. And we kind of get the hint that her mom has some kind of issues. And so, you know, sometimes that's genetic and maybe she was, you know, worried that she was going to end up similar to where her mom is in life. But then she's in solitary and then the music that's playing is something. We don't know what it is yet. But Needy hates the song. She curls herself up in the corner, starts screaming, covering her ears. And then she's like, I wasn't always this crazy. And then we kind of do like the the real, real start of the movie and we go back two months. When they flash back, it's um, like a pep rally in the gymnasium. And Jennifer is like head cheerleader or like front and center. And we see her, and then it, like, pans to Needy, and she's just staring at Jennifer, applauding. Right then and there, I was like, ooh, there's something, there's something there. Other people saw it, because... Well, you were the only one who thought that. <laughs> yeah. A girl behind her is like, you're totally lesbian gay. And I'm like, And 17-year-old well, me was like, huh, maybe I am too. <laughs> if I look at Megan Fox like that, does that mean... <laughs> I think that just means, like, I think everybody looks at Megan Fox that way. I don't think that's an orientation thing. I think that's just, she is beautiful. (laughs) She is. And she went through way too much after this movie. I would just like to say, for the record, Megan Fox is a gem. I know that she's with Machine Gun Kelly right now, and people are thinking, like, they're weird. I really don't pay that much attention to that stuff, but I, I like her. I don't care. I did hear that she went through a lot to do this movie. Like, she lost a ton of weight, and she had to stay thin. I mean, for those low-rise jeans, yeah. Nobody should have to go through that to get fit in those low-rise jeans like that. I think that this movie is a very solid 2009 time capsule. The outfits, not necessarily the language. It's a Diablo Cody script, and she also wrote Juno, so it's very punchy quirky very noticeable dialogue but like the setting felt really grounded in 2009 low-rise jeans side bangs prints kind of all that stuff i came across one of my notes here for the episode and so when we were re-watching this we were re-watching it on peacock but when i watched it it silenced all of the fucks did it do yeah, that it did on my it too yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, because, I mean, like we have established, I love this movie and I know it. So when I was quoting along in my head and we were missing, like, fuck, I was like, hey, wait a minute. What are we doing here? Well, 
and, and you pay I for use, peacocks like that's bullshit right i use uh closed captions on everything and it didn't even spell out the words that they were blinking it just was like nothing yep yeah 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 i remember that and it's just like interessante Mm-hmm. An interesting choice. But we get that opening scene in the high school pep rally where we just get, like, there's some kind of a feeling between Needy and Jennifer. And then uh, there's this one line with Needy's narration that's, like, hell is a teenage girl. And I felt that. I feel sorry for anybody that's a parent to a teenage girl. Or just a parent Okay, why general. is that? Let's talk about that. Well, well, why? No. Do I have to cancel out your misogynistic views right now? Let's talk about this. Well, I'm just saying, like, my... I felt bad for my mom because I was an asshole. Like, straight up. Well, were you an asshole because you were an asshole? Or were you an asshole because of the misogynistic society we live in and the way that teenage girls and women in general are put in boxes of how we could and should behave that it completely takes away our personhood? I think I was just mean to my mom. Well, it was in the, it was in the middle of like, high school was like in the middle of like my parents' divorce and like the divorce lasted my entire high school. So I was just angry and did not understand a lot of things that were happening in the background. And I was uh, mean to my mom. So. Oh, well. But if you're listening, mom, love you. (laughs) Uh, I told my mom when we started this that she couldn't listen because I say fuck a lot and I'm gay and she doesn't like either of those things, so there's really no point for her to watch it. (laughs) Yeah. My mom doesn't give a shit. No, so uh, the next scene that we see is, it's really quick, it's just Jennifer and Needy saying that there's a band that Jennifer likes on MySpace coming to a bar that's in their town. So they're going to go, and Jennifer just says, wear something cute, okay? And then walks away. Yeah, and it's funny because as a, I feel like a man would not understand what that means because Needy goes into depth on, well, when Jennifer says wear something cute, she means I can show my stomach, but I can't show my boobs because tits are her signature thing. And I just can't upstage her, which just brings on this, like, whole competition thing again. And I'm just like, why are you competing with your friend? Well, and that's a thing that I I think is pretty universal. Because I think that this is a really, really great movie for this podcast. I think that there's a lot to talk about in terms of how women are treated, expected, uh, like whatever responsibilities like people place on women's behavior and how we should behave or react in relation to each other and society in general. So it, it's a it's a nice scene that happens when Needy's getting dressed, like what you're saying, and she's explaining to her boyfriend Chip, played by Johnny Simmons, what all of that means. So Chip thinks it's dumb that there are rules and it is dumb that there are rules, but unfortunately like there kind of are rules and by going against the rules, you kind of are also playing by the rules too. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause if you're, 
intentionally trying to go against something, that means you're agreeing that it's there and that you're kind of enforcing it. Yeah, it's like uh, when people wear black wedding dresses. I would wear one. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, it yeah. it really shouldn't matter. There was um, a gal I worked with, we were friends a few years ago when we worked together. She wore a hot pink wedding dress. Like, it was like a slip dress and she did a destination wedding. So it was kind of this whole thing. And she looked beautiful. But all the comments are, wow, it's not white. Like, it's so different. It's like, who cares? Just because yeah. Queen Victoria did something a couple hundred years ago. Now we all have to wear white. What does it matter? I think a a lot of the, I'm just using like wearing a black wedding dress as an example is it's fine if you wear a black wedding dress. I don't care what anybody wears. I just notice it with a little more detail if people are like, oh, I just didn't want to wear white. I didn't want to do this. I wanted to be different. It's like, that's fine. I wish that you could reframe it in your own mind about Instead of, I want to be different, it's, I want to do what I like. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's where I think the misogyny that exists in our culture kind of comes from it. That people feel like they have to defend what they like just because it's different versus just doing what you like and being happy with it. I have no sense of fashion whatsoever, and I never really have. I see something, I think that's adorable, cute, whatever, but on somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't picture myself in those kinds of things because I'm not capable, I am capable, but I wouldn't wear it out. And that's just because I feel like I'm a very, like, lay low person rather than everybody staring at me because I'm wearing something freaking weird and out of the norm. Yeah, I get it. And and I feel like this movie really, it is very efficient at needling in on all of these things that are very common in a woman's life with rules about fashion or behavior or comparing each other or in the relationships that we have, anything like that. So even though like the plot is fantastical, it's based in a lot of reality. Yeah. Which I just remembered this. Speaking of like 2009 fashion and me not feeling comfortable doing what I like. I remembered mm-hmm. in, I don't know if it was middle school or high school. One of the two. I had this like denim mini skirt. But I didn't want to wear just a denim oh, mini Lord, skirt. I know exactly. I know where this is going. And I had these leggings. Not pants, not pants, but they were like winter leggings, like they were like thick gray winter leggings, and I loved it. I was, I bet they were. I was living for it, and I went to school like that, and I got made fun of, but I did it. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. I thought it was really cute, and I also wore my uh, cowgirl boots with it, so that's top notch. That is a choice. So Jennifer and Needy get to Melody Lane, the bar that is in their town. It's kind of just off the side of the road somewhere, but I mean, it looks pretty decent. It's kind of popping. So either it's normally a little bit busy like that, 
for a one bar kind of a town that it looks like, or everybody's just really excited to see Low Shoulder, which doesn't really seem to be the case since they don't really fit in with that aesthetic of the town. Also, the name Low Shoulder for a band, there's so many cooler, so many other cooler names you could have come up with. Yeah, but it was 2009, so it was all very... Everything has to be ironic. I mean, not even... Yeah, yeah, I'm like, it's not meta, it's just like... <laughs> stuff like that (laughs) but uh one thing that I noticed and and maybe I had noticed it before but when we were doing the rewatch I noticed that Jennifer has pink nail polish on except on her ring finger on each hand it's painted black and I will say I, I don't remember if we've talked about this before but I learned not that long ago um but having just one nail painted a different color was kind of like queer coding yourself as a way to identify yourself uh, like more um, like a femme to identify herself as still being gay, even though she's not so obvious about it. So that used to be a tell. And then I don't know. I mean, if it was Pinterest's fault or whatever, that that kind of just became an accent nail, but it actually used to be a specifically queer coded thing. I had no idea. And it, Isn't that cool? Though? And I never caught that her nails were painted like that. And maybe it could have started a trend because I've always thought like, oh, the two accent nails or something like that. I never really thought anything of it. But I mean, back then it would make sense to have to have some kind of just like signal or language that isn't known to everybody just for safety. Yeah, so I learned about that not that long ago. I mean, and I've, you know, had one nail painted something different forever, but then I learned about it, and I'm like, did I know? (laughs) Did I secretly know? And I was just doing it, because I'm very femme-presenting, not when we record, but when I leave my house most of the time. Yeah. I look like a a real person. And all the other times, she's just a goblin. Just a little goblin Ah. here. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. At least... The end of our friendship. <laughs> Goodbye. That was not planned. So, <laughs> well, then it, it gets even better at the bar because oh, blah, blah, blah. Chris Pratt shows up before he was really Chris Pratt. And um, anyways, but he shows up and he is flirting with Jennifer. We kind of get the insistence that maybe like they're sleeping together or there's something else going on. And Chris Pratt praised Roman, who is um, a cadet in the police academy. So he is being really gross because Jennifer is definitely a child. Like he, he knows that she's a child because he takes her cigarette away. And I'm like, um, bro, how old are you? And um, it's just no bueno from the very beginning. Gross. And, so gross. We should have known about Chris yeah. Pratt back then. If only. But after they talked to Roman, they head up to go see the band because they're setting up their set. And Jennifer is all giddy and excited to go talk to these people. And she's just instantly in love because they're stylish and shit. And <laughs> which is just, it's just emo style, punk rock band, you know. So she's t- flirting with the lead singer and is like, oh, we should get these 9-11 shots, you know. We got to take them fast because they turn brown. So she runs to go get them drinks, which 
she's still not old enough to do that, but, you know, she has to use her assets. Well, see, you say asset, and that's exactly what Needy says to Jennifer. She's like, uh, how are you going to get alcohol? And Jennifer, she's so blasé about it. She's like, oh, I'll just play Hello Titty with a bartender. So it's funny uh-huh. that you said assets when it's titties. <laughs> yeah, because she, when they were getting dressed, it was like, tits are Jennifer's thing. So, I mean, and obviously she's putting them to work, so who can really complain about it? But it ends up working. She brings back the shots and... Then she's talking to the band, and it's yeah kind of. And whatever. I always thought it was really like Needy just has this like sixth sense about Jennifer. It feels like because she's over like playing this game and overhears the band talking about, "Oh, do you think Jennifer's a virgin?" And I'm like, first of all, I can't hear anything from like someone four feet away from me. How is she hearing this whole conversation? Um, but she's like a bat. Like, she just hears and senses everything with Jennifer. Like, they just have a weird, really strong connection. Yeah, but it also is really crazy because the guys are being really gross and just talking about, like, oh, what about this one? Like, you think she's a virgin? And they're being really creepy and, like, pedophilia about it. But Needy is listening and she immediately goes into defense mode. She's like, you're not going to talk about my friend like that. Like, you guys are gross, which is awesome for a teenager to be doing. And then she, she does her little finishing moment by being like, and she is a virgin. And then you see the band members going like, yes. So needy did not actually end up helping Jennifer, but so the band starts playing and needy and Jennifer start holding hands, which is I don't know. Best friends holding hands just seems weird sometimes. I think it's really sweet because every time we see Jennifer prior to this moment, she's always really snarky, really confident, really in control, really performing. But then this moment when she's just watching the band, it's like she just gets to be a teenage girl. She's really excited. She's into the music. Like She's having a good time. She doesn't have to impress anybody. And she's just sharing that moment with Needy. And I think that that's really important to set the tone of the whole movie because everybody's always telling Needy, like, why are you with Jennifer? Jennifer's terrible. Why do you hang out with her? Why are you doing this? And it's like, because she and Jennifer truly relate differently. Yeah. And people's like, friendships and relationships can be different, like, in public versus in private. And I think Jennifer just doesn't feel comfortable being vulnerable in public. And Needy is, like, fine with being weird and her authentic self wherever. She doesn't care. But Jennifer definitely feels the need to put on a front when she's in public. I think it's as much as, you know... Nobody's saying Jennifer is the greatest person and the greatest friend and because all of those things do matter. But yeah. it feels, you know, she just really trusts Needy and they say sandbox love never dies. So Jennifer just gets to be herself with Needy and she doesn't have to worry about any of it. And I think that that is really sweet. Until. Until it's Shit not. goes down. Yeah. <laughs> so. Needy is the only one who notices, as the band is playing their amazing song that I love, Through the Trees, you will hear this more than once if you watch this movie, is 
that the bar has started to catch on fire and there's just like a trail of flames kind of creeping up the framing of the bar and then all of a sudden everybody's panicking the bar is ablaze people are trying to run out and the band kind of just looks like meh whatever they're not like hey we're in a burning building (laughs) like this isn't the first time a super traumatic event for Needy because she's like watching people die. Everybody's like running through the whole building. People are getting trampled. And so they finally get outside and Needy is still like kind of upset about the whole thing. And the band and Jennifer are just kind of like, meh. Yeah, where did the band like come from? Nikolai, um, Adam Brody plays Nikolai, who is the lead singer of the band. He just comes out like holding a cocktail and he's so la-di-da about it. He's like, oh, this is terrible. Why don't you guys just come in my van? I think we'll all feel much safer there. And Needy goes, uh, no. But Jennifer, she's completely entranced. She is being dragged away by Nikolai. Like, Needy, let's go see the really cool van. Exactly like that. Like, just gone. Something has happened to her. Yeah. And... Then the last thing that Needy sees is Jennifer going in the van because she's not going. No. And that, I, I would not uh, let you go in that van. No, I think I realize they're, they're much older now, but I would not let you go in that van. No, like, I, I don't think that it was either, it's a ride or die thing. Like, you either ride in the van together and die together, or I pull you out of the van and we ride home together. Like, <laughs> it's... There's no separation. It's, it's ride and die. Right. Or we run away. <laughs> but either way, together. like, and Absolutely not. No way. I mean, we just recently, I just remembered, um, I made, I secretly or something made Rachel share her Snapchat location with me because... She used to just disappear from me at the bar, and I needed to know where she was. And she wasn't always, like, on her phone to tell me where her location was. So I was like, you know what? This bitch is going to get me looking around for her. So, uh, yeah, we just found out that I did that two years ago, and I don't remember it at all. I don't remember it either, because I was driving cross-country on my move, and this one over here would just text me, like, house whatever location you're in and I'm like looking around like wait a damn minute like you don't even know the town you're in but I do and I was like I was like we could have we could have gone on this road trip together so in a way it's like Katrina was with me yeah I wasn't gonna let you go by yourself with a stranger or across country with your mother either way oh oh that's very sweet See, and this is why we end up better than the ending of Jennifer's Body. Uh, most definitely. So, the the great thing about this scene, which is, you know, a really harrowing scene, that the band takes a teenage Jennifer away from them. But as Needy's watching them close the door, Nikolai shuts the van door, turns around, and he just gives this shrug, like, I win! Yeah, like, what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, I... I don't know. I don't know how she... I mean, they are teenagers, so it's like it's not Needy's fault because she's still a child. 
she doesn't always yeah, know better. Yeah, I don't better. think that's Nidhi's fault. Mm-mm. Like, she didn't know what to do. Just as much as 16 or 17-year-old us probably would not know <laughs> known what to do. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, a, a series of unfortunate events of things that happen. And, I mean, Jennifer chose to get in the van. It's not Nidhi's fault, exactly like what you're saying. But Nidhi's really upset about it. She goes home and she's freaking out. I mean, her friend is gone. She ends up home. Yeah, and she calls she calls her boyfriend and is, like, panicking, telling her, you know, Jennifer ran away. And I feel like he's just like, oh, Jennifer ran away. Less competition for your attention now for me. But nobody cares about Jennifer as much as Needy does in this movie. And I think Needy knows that, and she's just like, why does nobody not care? So Yeah, I get that. But then she kind of, like, falls asleep crying, and then she hears something out at the door. So now we kind of are getting into, like, actual spooky territory, is that Needy's hearing sounds around her house, but not finding the source of the noise. So... Yeah, her her doorbell rings, and there's no one on the porch. Um, also, why are you answering the door? That like, I'd be like, no, you don't need anything. But I guess... Jennifer was gone, but she opens up the door, nobody's there, and then Jennifer's just behind her all of a sudden, drenched in blood, and she just, like, slowly smiles at her, and it's so creepy. I don't... Oh, yeah, she's got, like, blood dripping out of her mouth. It's... I'm like... I mean, it's terrifying, and Needy's like, what happened to you? And then Jennifer just kind of stalks away and goes right to the refrigerator, which honestly, I get it. But she's trying to eat everything that's in Needy's refrigerator. She takes out a rotisserie chicken and she's just like mauling it. And Needy is like, what happened to you? What's going on? And Jennifer starts like screaming and throwing up this like black goo all over everything like it's like it's gross like you'd think that she was having an exorcism and it was uh i looked it up and it was like they actually used chocolate sauce for the black goo that came out is what they or if that's not right i don't know but the thing that i saw is i mean that makes sense that would be much more appetizing pleasurable (laughs) race But I would Mm -hmm. say Needy is a really good friend because as soon as you, like, if you showed up covered in blood, like, okay, I'll let you in my house, that's fine. But as soon as you start, like, vomiting black goo and, like, growling at me, questionable. I might, might need to call, like, I don't know whether to call, like, a doctor or a vet, but I'd call somebody and be like, get her out. Like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) I mean, Jennifer did need help, but... Needy is terrified, and Jennifer chases her down, throws her against the wall, and it looks like she's going to eat her, like, bite her. Like, she looks completely disgusting, gross, like, not like the girl that we've seen before. But then, one thing I noticed when I was watching this, it's that they both have, like, matching best friend necklaces. So, Jennifer is about to, I mean, it looks like she's about to kill Needy, but then she sees the necklace and then she just leaves. No word, no nothing. She's just 
gone out the door. Closes it behind her too, good for her. I would have not. I forget to lock the door all the time. And need. Oh, don't Yuri say that. Yuri is very good at locking the door. I am not. I had fallen asleep and I woke up the next morning in my apartment and my door is cracked open. <laughs> Rachel's face right now. <laughs> She's appalled. No. That's what... No, I, no, I grew up in the middle scary. of nowhere, so locking the door was just not a habit of mine. I have gotten better, I will say. I yeah, will, do I better. Will. Do better for that. Um, so the next scene is the next day at school where Needy goes into I, some kind of a class. I assume it's like science class or something. And J.K. Simmons is the teacher, and he's got... These hooks for hands, which is never mentioned, explained, no nothing. It's just a character trait that he has hooks for hands and he is leading the class in a discussion on grief and mourning and he kind of is the mouthpiece saying that there were some students of the high school that had died and then Jennifer comes in looking well-rested she's got energy and some charisma and needy is like what the fuck is wrong with you and she does this thing because jennifer's like well what's wrong with you and she holds up her hands like her nails are ashy and dirty and gross and the needy just looks like she's been through something and jennifer looks like she just came back off of a day at the spa She's just chilling. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> then one of the funny quotes that Jennifer says is, um, you need to find a Chinese chick to buff your situation when she's talking about her nails. <laughs> and it's it's so of the times, but it's funny that the, the disconnect like, that's going on. Yeah, it's not like, Oh, what happened to your nails? It's like, oh, you need to get your shit straightened out because it's not working. And Needy is appalled. She's just like, um, hello, you you were there. I was there. And then J.K. Simmons, the teacher, I don't even remember what his name was in the movie, starts talking about how the band Low Shoulder is being regarded as the heroes of the whole saga because they were there, they were pulling people out of the fire, and Needy is like, uh, no. And then this girl just whips her head around, and she's like, uh, yes, they were. They're national heroes. And she's like, <laughs> I was there. They didn't do anything to help anybody. She doesn't make any mention about them not basically kidnapping Jennifer. Right. But, but Needy is not a low-shoulder fan. No, but, and you can tell because every time a radio turns on or something in that town, it's always through the trees, and it just instantly pisses her off, and she, like, turns it off. But I'm like, I get it. Uh, I get the exact same way whenever I hear Selena Gomez playing. I'm like, get this off of here. I do not want to hear it. <laughs> Anytime I hear Selena Gomez, I think, uh, Rachel would want me to switch this right now, but I'm not going to do it. So sorry. Oh, well, I'm glad to know that you are a traitor. I will switch it in your presence. Hey, even well, she... Okay, Selena Gomez and Taylor Swift are friends now, so I don't know They've been friends for, me. like, a million years. Yeah. 
I just don't like her. Whatever. Anyways. So the next scene, we have Jennifer and Jonas on the football field. And Jonas is so upset because he had lost one of his friends in the fire. And he's like a head taller than Jennifer above. Like he looks like a football player. And she kind of like lures him into the woods by saying, this is what Craig would have wanted. And I don't know, but the football field is just, it gets like a cross between Twilight and Mean Girls. Like <laughs> when everybody's outside exercising in Mean Girls, but also like the hue of Twilight and the baseball scene. I don't know. Just. <laughs> I totally get it. I, I totally get it. As soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, correct. <laughs> Um, so Jennifer takes him out into the woods and she just like rips off his jersey and I'm like, I know th- you should not be able to do that that easily. So she's obviously got some strength. And they start, you know, looking like they're about to get busy and all these animals just start showing up and staring like squirrels, deer, raccoons, everything. And I'm like, uh, no thanks. And as soon as they're, like, getting ready to start doing something, Jennifer just eats his soul. Like, rips him open, starts murdering him. Yeah, her jaw unhinges. She eats him. That's... eats. And the teacher hears him screaming and is just like, let it all out, kids. Let the... (laughs) I know. And that's... It's so funny because this child is literally getting murdered. But, I mean, I don't blame the teacher. He doesn't know what's going on, but he just assumes that, hey, we've been talking about grief today, and somebody is out there, you know, just... Letting it all... Expressing their feelings. As they should. Um, Because, I mean, no insane murders have happened yet, so they don't really... There's nothing for him to think that something like this is happening. Okay. So, a teacher ends up finding a deer licking the blood off of Jonas's dead body in the woods and then we see Jennifer swimming naked in the lake. I don't know if she's just relaxing or trying to get all the blood off of her but either way it looks peaceful. It's a very male gazy scene and I remember that being in the trailers everywhere because you just see like the silhouette of her being naked in the lake swimming like it's a very sexy looking scene but it actually doesn't do anything and that's something that's really interesting is the way that the movie was marketed to be a hot Megan Fox movie when it's this really interesting think piece about toxic friendships and like women knowing everything with this really funny dialogue of course but But I don't think it's men's humor that's like that's the thing it's like no when you're going through this like it's this is not things that typically like a like a male comedy would contain. No, because it's smart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to have more than two brain cells to understand. There is a scene of Needy and Chip walking through the hallway after classes, and Needy is explaining to Chip that Jennifer looks weird. She was acting weird last night. She was up all night cleaning up Jennifer's mess. And then we enter Colin, who is really great. He's played by Kyle Galdner. He's like a total scene emo kid, like black hair, black nails, wearing like chains, like very 2009. If you were at my high school, 
and we didn't have a dress code. So he starts talking with Needy, um, and Chip is just looking between them. And it's obvious that Needy and Colin have a friendship. And Kyle, Kyle, Colin, Colin tells Needy that he's glad that she didn't die because he knew that Needy was going to be at the bar. And Needy's like, well, that's really sweet. And that's honestly my kind of humor. Like, I get it. Like, me to tell you how much I love you and appreciate you means for me to say, you're all right. You're okay. So I'm glad you didn't die is great. Oh, I actually have a really funny story about that. For my grandma's 75th birthday, me and my brother were in charge of getting the cake. And on the cake, we had like a picture of her from when she was younger. And we put happy 75th. We're so glad you didn't die. (laughs) How did that go over? (laughs) And Oh, I, it was a surprise party for her. So we had like a photo board with a bunch of family photos and different stuff. And she came around the corner. The first thing that she said was that she was excited. One of my brother's friends was there. And I'm like, okay, we're your whole family, but fuck us. <laughs> but it was funny. Like my grandma is everybody's grandma. So all my brother's friends and stuff that, and other friends that like we grew up with, she's just there and she went and looked at the cake and she thought it was kind of funny she did one of those like little laugh and like rolls her eyes she's like yeah this is my family they're nuts but there were like some of her cousins and like some of the other old people in the family that were there and they were just like well and I was like oh well we were in charge of the cake and it's our grandma so we have a relationship with her where this is fine and they were just looking at me like me 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 and I was like get out of here you're just eating the food. You didn't spend any money to be here. So, so glad you didn't die is means of affection for my family. Did your brother say that to you after your surgery? No, he hates me. So Chip is kind of not getting on to needy, but he's like, okay, like since when were you friends with Colin? And she was talking about how, Colin and she are in the same writing class and he writes really beautiful poetry and it's really deep and then Chip's like well I can be deep because he's like jealous and it's really cute and and Needy thinks it's really cute too and she's like walk me home and then like do a little smooch and then walk home it's adorable but it's a really good introduction to Colin because we're gonna need him later so the next scene Jen and Needy are on the phone they're talking and I feel like the lighter scene is just kind of like one of the iconic ones that everybody kind of knows about even if they haven't seen Jennifer's body it's Jennifer has a lighter and she's like burning her tongue and then it's healing instantly and she tells Needy like I'm a god and Needy can't see her but she's like uh okay I'll just take your word for it. (laughs) Yeah, Jennifer is having a great time. She has like a cute little loungy outfit on. She's looking at herself in the mirror. She's enjoying the beauty that is upon her, which is just like an extra level of normal Jennifer. And Needy Mm -hmm. is still not about it. Needy is more of like the humble, like the humble brag type rather than the I'm a god, worship me type that Jennifer is. Which kind of plays into their friendship of being, like, 
you know, everybody sees Jennifer as this, like, mean girl, and Needy's the nice, sweet, innocent one, and they're always like, why is, why are you guys friends? Which is another reason why people don't get it. Mm -hmm. So then we get this montage of time passing, and people at school are still really upset. They're putting up memorials for the kids that they lost. The town is still really upset. Meanwhile, we get that other main scene from the trailer while everything is really gray and muted and Jennifer is just walking down the school hallway in like a cropped pink heart sweater and she's just beautiful and so excited and like la 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 la. I'm pretty just completely out of touch with everything that's going on. Yeah, like she has no emotions about the day. Like everybody's still mourning and everything and she's just like... I'm a god. Like, she just walks through the hallways, happy as can be, oblivious. Like, she, like she's lost that connection. So, on top of the really beautiful montage we get of Jennifer looking great, then it kind of leans into a montage of everybody not getting over it, but accepting what's going on, and they're getting back to their normal lives, and then... Jennifer is the one who looks pretty wrecked. She's walking around, her skin looks dull and sallow, and she's sluggish. She's walking down the hall with Needy. Colin asks Jennifer out, and Jennifer completely blows him off. And then it's not until Needy says something about being friends with him or that he's a good guy that Jennifer is like, okay, Colin, I'll go out with you. So Jennifer really values Needy's opinion there. And that's very telling, I think. Well, and part of me is like, if, was it also partially jealousy? Because why would she go out with him knowing what's going to happen if she knows that Needy is friends with him and likes him as a person? Competition between women. Jennifer agrees to go out with Colin and she tells him to come over and that same night... Needy and Chip are planning to hang out, and Chip is like, I brought more, I bought more condoms, and Needy's like kind of excited about it. And I was like, it's funny. Um, so Colin goes to arrive at quote unquote Jennifer's house, and it's this like abandoned, dilapidated house that has like some light coming from the attic. So he goes up to the attic, walks into this room, just like with a circle of candles. And it just looks like a sacrifice is about to happen. And so Jennifer pops up and he sees her and they start talking and then her eyes change and it scares him. He cuts himself. And that's kind of when Jennifer uh, does her thing. And while this is happening, Needy and Chip are having sex. And this is also where Needy's connection to Jennifer kind of plays in. Because as Jennifer is killing Colin, Needy is, like, seeing and feeling things. It's just funny because Chip is like, oh, do you like, like, is this good? Do you like, because she's making sounds like she's breathing harder because Jennifer's murdering somebody. And I just thought it was funny because he was like, at the end of it, he's like, "Ah, feel pretty good about that. Like, he just felt really good about himself. He was like, am I too big? (laughs) Which is just a cool thing because 
during the cutscenes, like you're getting back and forth, Jennifer is mutilating Colin. He's screaming. She's like, eating his intestines and scooping the blood out of his stomach. And Needy can see blood dripping down Jennifer. She sees the image of her from the night when she was in her house covered in like the black goo and needy is like panting and freaking out <laughs> and then chip am i too big <laughs> which comedy we love the concern but it's not it's, it's no not sir no. which i mean if you really wanted to put some placement on that it's Women are going through real issues and doing stuff, and men are just concerned with how that might relate to them. It's not, is something going so. on? Are you okay? It's, am I causing, am I, no. Also, men. I love how, um, Chip is great, but men. The fact that, um, Jennifer had T pains, like, I want to love you playing in the background, I just, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but it just, it made me laugh. Very of the times. So Needy is freaking out. She leaves Chip's house, runs home, and then she is like crying herself to sleep on her couch because she doesn't know what's going on, why she's seeing these things. And then when she wakes up, she goes into her room, turns on the light, and Jennifer's just in her bed. So Needy freaks out but Jennifer's like what we always share your bed when we have sleepovers oh but that's another one of the needy consents Jennifer's presence like she can always tell what's happening with Jennifer and you never really see Jennifer sensing anything with needy and I'm like "Mm, maybe Jennifer is a narcissist just a little bit so, and I think this is also the scene that got, like, marketed for the men because Jennifer is on Needy's oh, bed yeah. and they start making out and just, like, kind of getting into it. And then Needy just kind of, like, snaps out of it and is like, what is going on right now? And that's the whole thing because the kiss technically is warranted because it's just like an emotional connection between people who have this really intense deep relationship and Jennifer starts it because she's talking about oh you know we always share your bed when we have sleepovers we've been doing this for years we can play mommy and daddy like we used to or boyfriend girlfriend whatever they played and then Jennifer just kisses needy and I mean as a lesbian I mean it's not not hot but (laughs) it's It's just one of those things that it's like the way it is used is not actually what's going on. So that's why men are like, oh, this is such a hot movie, but it's so stupid. Like, That's because you're an idiot. So Needy snaps out of it and she's like, what the fuck is going on? And then Jennifer's like, wow, I have never heard you drop the F-bomb before. (laughs) Which is, I mean, I didn't really do that in high school. No, I didn't really start dropping the F-bomb until I started working like, in a manufacturing setting, like, we were making cabinet doors or something like that, and everybody around me was just constantly, like, cussing all the time, and I was like, okay, so now I can't stop, 
I'm 29. It's been yeah. 10 years. I can't stop. <laughs> I say, now I got a potty mouth. It is what it is. It's hard to filter it around children, though. That's hard. So, don't bring your children around me. After Needy snaps and is just like, what is going on? Jennifer starts telling her about what happened the night that she got into the van with the band. And she, it cuts to like Jennifer in the van and she goes, are you guys rapists? And then the guys are like, God, I hate girls. Like, uh, if you're not, just say no. Like, that's a red flag. So Jennifer is in the band's van. I had to say that really clearly. And they're like, are you sure she's even a virgin? And Jennifer gloms on that. She's like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally a virgin. I don't even know how to do sex, which we know that she had been fucking Roman. So that's not true. And then what she says before, she's like, I'm not even a backdoor, <laughs> Roman anymore, or a backdoor virgin anymore. Thanks to Roman. I had to stay home from flags and sit on a bag of frozen peas. Like it's really funny but you know she's thinking maybe if I'm a virgin like I don't have any skills they're not going to be that excited with me I get to go home and um which yeah that doesn't work out for her no so yeah they take her to devil's kettle and they start like talking amongst themselves like do you want to be famous like because somebody just doesn't want to do it like and I think this is when Jennifer starts to realize oh they're gonna sacrifice my ass um, like, do you want to be Maroon 5 or not? And they start singing. What is it? 86753? Yeah, they've got Jennifer. They've got Jennifer all tied up. She's crying and pleading to, you know, please just let her go. She doesn't know what's going on. And then the band is being all cool about it. They, they talk about getting some book off the net about, like, how to sacrifice virgins and then you'll get like rich and famous and successful and that's all they want from their band so they're just going to sacrifice this teenage girl that they think is a virgin to get their power which makes a lot more sense now that we know what's going on so the band sings eight six seven five three oh nine because they're like jenny i got your number (laughs) so they're like making fun of it of you know killing this girl named Jennifer and they're stabbing her she's screaming and the band is like it just sounds like a a happy old time so yeah and so they just leave her there and they go you know become famous now which so they they believe that it has worked we get back into the present where Needy and Jennifer are together in Needy's room Needy's like, so they killed you, and Jennifer's like shrugging off, and she's like, well, they tried to, and she doesn't really know what's going on, but she's like, I guess when you try to sacrifice a virgin who's not a virgin, you create a demon. I have a demon inside me now, which she doesn't say, because Needy starts doing a ton of research about what's going on she ends up telling chip they need to stay away from jennifer because she's done all this research on like being a succubus and stuff like that so basically it's it's exactly that it's when you try to sacrifice a virgin who's not a virgin the spell still works so that's why the band is everywhere that's why people are in love with the band just completely blindly 
but there's a piece of a demon inside Jennifer who has to kill boys so that she can stay beautiful and do whatever because that's what Jennifer says when they're in their room she's like when I don't eat like I get all yucky like you (laughs) and she's talking to needy but she's like but when I eat like I'm beautiful yeah and it's this is also when people just start looking at needy in a different light like thinking she's crazy and she's telling you know because she she started out with chip and chip it just ended up pushing him away because he's like you're not making sense i don't believe you you're crazy and so when it comes time to go to prom like she doesn't well needy says that she can't go to prom with him that they need to stay away from each other yeah because jennifer's killing boys she doesn't want anything to happen to him but, yeah, like, while you're saying, Chip's like, um, what? He's like, I already ordered you a corsage. And she's like, you're missing the point. Yeah, it's like, what is more important, prom or your life? But I, from Chip's perspective, I get it. Like, it's so, it's so hard to believe. Like, that's not something that you can just take somebody's word for. Like, I need to witness her murder a boy and become beautiful, okay? Like, show me. Oh, but I also think um, throughout the movie, we kind of notice, like, Needy's mother is not really present throughout the movie, but we always see, like, her mother, like, with medication or something, and I think her mom it was is diagnosed with, uh, do you remember what she was diagnosed with? Does it say? I have no idea. But I feel like her mom definitely had some kind of diagnosis that, like, People think, oh, Needy's crazy because her mom's crazy. So Needy says that she can't go to the prom with Chip because she needs to be on guard duty for Jennifer and make sure that Jennifer isn't killing anybody at the prom. But she doesn't know that Chip is going to go to the prom anyway because he doesn't care about all that. He just wants to have his time with Needy and be with her. So Jennifer is being all gross like she hasn't eaten like she looks tired and sad like she needs the energy and she's just putting on her foundation with her hands like just like smearing it all over her face which I get it because it's like have you ever put your makeup on like that when you're just like I hate everything and she's putting on this mask because she's so tired and you know she's not who she is because she's possessed and no, but I have I I haven't put makeup on like that. But in my note, I put Jennifer's putting makeup on like that one influencer who's just like, like I don't know their name, but they like dip their hands and just like rubs it all over their face. I've never been like that. Normally, if I feel like that, I just don't do it. Like I just don't do makeup. I'm just like, meh. Yeah. So, Needy is at prom looking around for Jennifer and then it's announced that Low Shoulder is the surprise band. So the whole school is freaking out. We see that inner cut with Chip getting ready and then he's walking to the school to go to prom. Jennifer cuts him off in the park and Jennifer starts explaining about how Needy and Colin were intimate. Like they were porking on a semi-regular basis in a way to kind of draw Chip away from Needy so she could get him alone. 
Yeah, so she ends up luring him to this, like, abandoned swimming pool at the school. And this is another thing with Needy's connection. Like, Jennifer kisses uh, Jennifer kisses Chip, and, like, it flashes over to Needy, like, touching her lips, and she just instantly knows. Mm-hmm. Like, Chip's in trouble. She's with, he's with Jennifer. I got to get there. So, and then once Chip kind of, like, denies Jennifer after the kiss, she throws him in this disgusting pool. Like, I, he needs to get all his shots after this, honestly. Well, he doesn't (laughs) really need them. So, Needy walks in, and she sees Jennifer feeding on Chip, and she pepper sprays Jennifer, which just makes her vomit all over him. (laughs) And she just starts levitating. And at this point, I'm like, mm, this boy is not this not this important to me. <laughs> well, no apparently it, it was important to Needy. And the girls start going back and forth, like, um, shooting each other insults, talking. And uh, this conversation is actually very important because when you're friends with somebody you know, even if they're not a good friend to you for, or you just don't match for any reason, you will still defend each other or, you know, keep going. But then once you kind of come to that realization that this person who has been your friend for a long time is really not your friend, you kind of just hold everything and like you get really petty and start attacking each other. You keep keep a tally when it's a relationship like Needy and Jennifer's. I feel like you you end up tallying and keeping score of like she did this 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 and when it explodes it all comes out of this one fight yeah that's exactly that's a really great way to put it like keeping tallies because they're bringing up stuff about them being kids and um jennifer he says something to jennifer i can't remember what it is and then she's jennifer's like nice insult hannah montana and <laughs> then because think of the times <laughs> and right. needy says something about how jennifer was never a good friend to her and how needy knows all of her secrets like about her staying skinny with laxatives and back when she was socially relevant which just sets jennifer off she's like i am still socially relevant and she's like freaking out about it because there's nothing more important to her than the way that she is perceived so it looks like there's gonna be a fight jennifer says that she's gonna kill needy needy's like i thought you only killed boys and then we get the other trailer scene i go both ways but right before jennifer can do anything to needy chip stabs jennifer jennifer gets stabbed and she says you got a tampon Seems like you might be plug-in. <laughs> Amazing. Honestly, I, if I got stabbed in the stomach, I would come up with some retort. I need to have some really good last words. Like, we need to um, just have a list of, like, come up with ideas of, like, what our last words would be. So that if we die in some kind of way, we know one of these was said. Different last words for different situations. Like, um, cabin in the woods. But just, like, yes. when I'm dying, depending on the situation, it depends on what I'm going to yeah. do. So, um, if you're listening, you should comment what your famous last words would want to be. Like, what would you want your last words to be? 
if you wanted it to be funny. My famous last words. My famous last words are, look what I can do. <laughs> and she didn't. <laughs> Oops. So it, it is really emotional because Jennifer leaves when she's injured because she doesn't have all of her strength because as we saw before, she's kind of like weak and yucky. Jennifer leaves, Needy's trying to help Chip, and then Chip just dies. Yeah, and his last... Which is really sad. Chip's last words, like, he dies after saying, you look hot in that dress. <laughs> like, <laughs> he went out of this world complimenting his girlfriend. We love him. We love Chip. And so after Chip dies, like, Needy just kind of loses it. She's died. Like, she's done. So we go back to the opening scene with Jennifer in bed and Needy standing outside the window. And Needy busts through the window and they start fighting. And she cuts over the box cutter. And then she tears off the BFF necklace. And as soon as that necklace came off, it's like Jennifer just gave up. Like, they, she knew that their friendship was over. She didn't want to kill Needy. And so Needy stabs Jennifer and she goes, My tit. <laughs> Because her, the, you know, that's what she used to get what she wanted. Like, she was the tit girl. So, during the fight scene, too, Jennifer ends up biting Needy on the shoulder. Because there's some kind of self-defense. And when Needy rips off the necklace, Jennifer just falls back into the bed. Needy falls with her, stabbing her in the heart. And then Jennifer's mom walks in because she hears all the commotion. So out of all of the people that have been dying now, everybody thinks that it's Needy who's been killing everybody. And so they send Needy to the uh, insane asylum, basically. It's a hospital. I don't know if it's a mental hospital um, or if it's like in prison. This is kind of how we find out that Needy gets her abilities from the very beginning when she beat the crap out of the nurse. So it goes back to her in the cell where she was put in the isolation cell, and she starts levitating, breaks out of the mental hospital. Um, And I don't know if it's out of love or spite, but she um, is just headed to go kill the band Lil Shoulder. Mm -hmm. She gets... Needy gets picked up by, you know, an old man driving the car, and he's kind of being gross... And Needy just says that she's following this band on their tour so she can seem like a crazy fan. We never know exactly what happens to that guy, but I really love it because the the whole story about Needy exacting her revenge on Low Shoulder comes in the form of the credits while their songs are playing and we see the band you know, living their lavish lifestyle, they're trashing hotel rooms, they're playing shows, they're just, you know, being horrible men making messes for all that is the poor hotel staff that has to deal with that and clean it up. And then we cut into like crime scene photos of the band members all have been killed. And then the very final shot towards the end of the credits is while a bunch of like rabid teenage fangirls are running toward um, the band's hotel room. 
somebody in a hoodie is leaving that hallway and then the security camera just kind of catches a flash that it was needy under the hood. So we know that she has killed the band. Good for her. That's what, that's what friends are for. I mean, that's kind of the thing where, you know, it still hangs on to it being about friendship. I mean, yes, Jennifer and Needy's relationship wasn't super healthy to begin with, but she was like, "Uh uh-uh. Well, and even... You guys aren't going to do this to anybody else. Yeah, and even though, you know, Jennifer and her relationship had deteriorated and, like, come to, like, such a violent end because of Chip, she knew that Jennifer didn't do it like because that's who she is like she knew that that was because of what the band did to her yeah I mean she was literally possessed by a demon I would probably give you a pass on a lot of things if I knew for a fact you were possessed by a demon I could I could appreciate that yeah I don't expect the same well if I it would be hard for me to prove that you were possessed by a demon like how do we not know that's just Rachel Exactly. I got it. But this was Jennifer's Body. It it's a really great movie that still stands up even though like it's very of its times. It's still very enjoyable to watch a movie about female friendship and women's agency in general. So don't forget to comment on what your favorite famous last words are gonna be and then we will get this episode out for you and then not wait two months to get the next one out which is what I say all the time but I don't have any more cross-country moves happening so yay the next move will be mine and I promise it won't take a whole two months only one sorry We'll, we'll try and get better about getting a schedule out for you guys but thank you for listening and you know being here at all while we kind of get our stuff together so we can really do something with this podcast we've got a lot of movies and ideas for some other things that we're going to do so we appreciate you just sticking around yeah thank you guys